a focused summary of Act V of Cyrano de Bergerac. It is fifteen years later, in the park of a Paris convent, and Roxanne sits before her embroidery frame, while, all around her, leaves fall from the autumnal trees. Sister Claire and Sister Marth tease each other with playful accusations of vanity and gluttony, and they are gently scolded by Mother Marth, who threatens them, not with the disapproval of God, but of their long-time and beloved friend, Cyrano. He has been coming there every Saturday for more than a decade to visit Roxanne, who came to live among them when she was widowed. The nuns cheerfully chatter about how they love Cyrano, how he teases and pleases them, and Sister Claire vows that some day they will convert him. When Mother Marguerite insists that they leave him be, Sister Marth says worriedly, but God, adding that every week he boasts proudly of having eaten meat on Friday. Mother Marguerite assures her he was only teasing. He is very poor, and when he last said that, he had not eaten at all for two days. Sister Marth asks why no one helps him, and Mother Marguerite says it would make him angry. De Guiche, now the Duc de Grammont, appears, having come to visit Roxanne. He marvels over her faithfulness, that Christian is dead, but she loves him still, and that she carries his farewell letter like some holy reliquary over her heart. In a moment of dramatic irony, Roxanne tells de Guiche that she sometimes feels as if Christian has not altogether died, and de Guiche asks, unrelatedly, if she sees Cyrano often. We the audience see these two thoughts are far from unrelated. She tells de Guiche that every Saturday, precisely on the hour, Cyrano arrives to serve as her gazette. Then Lebray comes, and when Roxanne asks after Cyrano, he shows himself still to be the worried friend. He tells her that Cyrano is lonely and miserable, always attacking false saints, nobles, and heroes, and always making enemies. Roxanne shrugs off his concerns, saying everyone fears Cyrano's sword, and no one will dare touch him. It is not violence he fears, Lebray says, but poverty. To Lebray's surprise and ours, de Guiche, who has everything, tells them not to pity Cyrano. He may be lonely, poor, and hated, but he lives his own life, his own way, free. De Guiche bids adieu to Lebray and Roxanne, and as she walks him out, he reflects that when a man wins everything in this world, he feels somehow a thousand small displeasures with himself, whose whole sum is not quite remorse, but rather a sort of vague disgust. Roxanne tells him the statement does him honor. De Guiche then excuses himself to whisper in Lebray's ear that while it is true that no one dare attack Cyrano directly, he overheard someone say that he might die accidentally. He tells Lebray to ask Cyrano to be careful, and Lebray shakes his hands to the heavens at the futility of this request. One of the nuns approaches Roxanne to say that Ragano wishes to see her. With her permission, he hurries in, but she asks him first to tell his troubles to Lebray, while she escorts out de Guiche. He has troubles to tell. He had just been witness to either an accident or an ambush. As Cyrano walked down the street, a lackey dropped a log of wood upon his head. 
Ragano found Cyrano lying there with a hole in his head, carried him upstairs to his room unconscious, and called for a doctor, who said that if he tried to move his head, he might die. Lebray and Ragano run off to attend to Cyrano, while the hour for his arrival strikes. He is late for the first time in fourteen years. When Cyrano arrives just a few minutes afterward, Roxanne chides him for his lateness. He tells her that he was detained by an unexpected and inopportune visitor. For the time being, Cyrano asked him to go away, but the visitor will return before dark. Sister Marth glides toward Cyrano with downcast eyes, eager for her weekly teasing. He tells her in his burlesque manner that he ate meat again. But she knows the truth, and she quietly pleads with him to come for a bowl of soup in the refectory before he goes. Roxanne asks Sister Marth if she has converted him yet, and she declares, Oh no, not for the world. Cyrano then observes how astonishing it is that she never preaches, and says he will astonish her by letting her pray for him that night. She replies gently that she did not wait for his permission. She goes out, and Roxanne and Cyrano are alone again beneath the falling leaves. He remarks that they know how to die gracefully, and Roxanne calls him melancholy. He recovers himself and commences his comedic gazette, telling her all the court news in satirical fashion. At one point, his story fades, and Roxanne realizes that he has fainted. She runs to his side and calls to him. Recovering consciousness, he tells her it is nothing, just his old wound from Eris. She says that they all have their old wounds, and places her hands on the letter at her breast. Cyrano reminds her that she had said one day he could read this farewell letter, and that he wishes to do so now. After a moment of hesitation, she yields it to him and returns to her embroidery. To her surprise, he begins reading it aloud. Farewell, Roxanne, because today I die. She is struck first by the passion with which he reads the letter, then by the familiarity of the voice, and then by the fact that he reads when night has fallen and he cannot see the words on the page. All at once she knows, and she says, It was you. He protests, but she insists. The letters, the words, the voice in the dark, the soul, were all Cyrano. And in the most heart-wrenching of his protests, he declares, No, no, my own dear love, I love you not. Roxanne thinks for a moment that her love is reborn, and she pleads with him to tell her why he stayed silent all those years when the tears on the letter were his. Cyrano reminds her that the blood was Christian's. Lebray and Ragano then run in, telling Roxanne that by coming there Cyrano has killed himself. Cyrano finishes his gazette, saying that on this day Monsieur de Bergerac died, foully murdered. He uncovers his head, and Roxanne sees that it is swathed in bandages. Cyrano calls the injustice of his being killed in an ambush too logical, saying he has missed out on every earthly reward, even a noble death. When Ragano breaks down, Cyrano orders him to stop blubbering, and asks what he has been doing. 
Ragano says he has been lighting candles for Moliere, but he quit when he discovered that Moliere had stolen a whole scene from Cyrano. He adds that it was a great success. They laughed and laughed. Cyrano laments that it has always been this way. Moliere gets the laughter that should have been his, and Christian the kiss. Roxanne insists that he cannot die, and says the words he always longed to hear. She loves him. But Cyrano says that is not in the story. He is not the beast in the fairy tale whose ugliness will dissolve at the proclamation of her love. Roxanne blames herself for hurting him, but he assures her that on the contrary, she is the only one who has allowed him to know womanhood and its sweetness. In the throes of death, Cyrano is surrounded by those he loves most in the world, Roxanne, Lebray, and Ragano. But this man of heroic independence will allow no one to help him. Lebray can only stand aside and bemoan the injustice of such an ignoble death for such a great man, to which Cyrano responds once again, There goes Lebray, growling. With his dying breaths, he delivers his own eulogy in semi-delirium. Philosopher and scientist, poet, musician, and duelist, he flew high and fell back again. A pretty wit whose like we lack, a lover not like other men. Here lies Hercule Savignen de Cyrano de Bergerac, who was all things and all in vain. He asks Roxanne if, when she mourns Christiane, the tears she sheds can be his tears too. Still more delirious, he stands up and begins swinging his sword in circles, dueling his ancient enemies, falsehood, prejudice, compromise, cowardice, and vanity. He fights to the end. And then, pausing, he says in solemn tone, Yes. All my laurels you have riven away, and all my roses. Yet in spite of you, there is one crown I bear away with me, and tonight, when I enter before God, my salute shall sweep all the stars away from the blue threshold. One thing without stain, unspotted from the world, in spite of doom mine own, and that is... my white plume or in French, my panache.